Journey to Real Vision, Know Your Worth series, podcast number 107. This is April, 2023. And the episode is Leadership, Engagement, and Building Value-Based Teams. Good morning and welcome everyone to another, this is going to be a very enlightening podcast today. I have two co-hosts that are going to join me that I know that you're going to absolutely love. They're amazing. We met on LinkedIn, which is such an amazing platform. I've met some of the most incredible people. And uh, But George and Hangar, in my top three, Ooh. number one is actually my dog. So um, okay, you guys are number two and number three. There. <laughs> He's I'll always got number hang. one spot. <laughs> I mean, I take the dog over me too, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows if he would be out of the number one spot too. It's so funny. Today, we're going to talk about three different areas. One is creating trust, which I think is really the most important area to start with. And it's about forming those strong relationships. The second area is a willingness to learn, a growth mindset. And then last, we're going to talk about leadership engagement and building value. So we're going to end on a really big note as well. So let's move into this because we're going to do about 20 minutes each section, our long podcast. So first, I want to introduce George, George Gerstenberg. Hope I pronounced your name correctly. You did? Oh, wow. I usually badger people's names. That means barley heel in German, by the way. I'm German. I didn't know that. (laughs) So George, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and why you're so amazing? Well, I don't know about the amazing part, but... uh, (laughs) You know, it's um, a life's journey is is interesting. It's fun, as as you well point out. Uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey in a little community that's had forty five hundred people in it. it still has forty five hundred people in it. And as a teenager, I realized life was much bigger than this community of this rural farm community. I just realized this, and I knew there was a big world out there, and I needed to explore it. And uh, music uh, has always been a teach part of my life. And I wanted to move to California to become a recording engineer. And I did. And and when I was going to college, I fell into retail because it worked for my scheduling and I made some money doing it. And then I realized I was kind of good at it and worked my way into management positions over the years. And and then I kind of realized I can't do this on my own. And people, my teams became my friends as in not well, sometimes real friends, but actual friends <laughs> working relationships and how to how to help help people discover who they even are. Many mm. people don't even know how to do this or mm-hmm. even that it exists. I would just casually ask people, hey, what's your story? And they would look at me like, oh, I don't have a story. It's like, you know, you really do, but you don't even mm. know that yet. Mm-hmm. You haven't talked it out to yourself to even know what your own story is. And when we can discover this, it's like, ooh. And over the years, I kind of just explored things because that's just how my my head spins. And then uh, maybe 22 years ago, uh, it was discovered I had cancer. And I was driving a super high-level sales team at the time. And um, our, my team was developing $1,000 a square foot in retail. That's like jewelry store type business. And it was specialty retail as well. And, and so uh, I was challenged, but I wasn't going to be daunted. I couldn't be identified as being this cancer guy. You know, mm-hmm. people would come in the store and they'd want to pray for me, this and that. And it's like, you know, I'm... I'm trying to feel where they're coming from, but they were making it more about themselves than anything. But I discovered, even through my surgeries and my treatments, I still had a job to do. 
And I had to rely on my team to execute these plans. And so it forced me to work way out of my comfort zone to discover techniques that I can manage from a distance. And that when I would see them, would give them hope and encouragement. And so uh, I uh, stepped way out of my comfort zone, but it worked. And as I developed my team, the company I was working for was scaling to be a national retailer. And um, I was asked to be the director of training. And all these learnings over the years of driving successful teams, I boiled down to you're nothing without your individual team members. And so I just kind of started building this into my training processes and developing customer service and sales training and leadership training. And, and it's never failed me. And I've explored that ever since. And I've always made it a habit of exploring uh, what's, uh, what's new in the world and how can I incorporate this into the business and power the teams? Mm-hmm. That's the story. That. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, you almost made me weld up there a little bit, honestly. Thank you yeah, for sharing well, I story. actually do because it's uh, sometimes I have it's a a check and I have to look in the mirror on occasion, and I have to uh, remind myself that I actually worked through this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't words. It wasn't just something I read somewhere. I really did this, and and I have the scars to prove it. And it truly changed my life forever, and um, it changed my teams forever as well when they saw this play out. And they realized this guy's legit. He's not backing down because some major thing fell in his lap and he's backing out of the race. He's still holding the gas wide open and working through this stuff and made it work. And so uh, it was, it became natural for me to be able to champion teams in the sense that I walked in your shoes and it's like you, you can always see he was good when things get difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, when things are perfect, everybody can be a winner. Mm-hmm. But let's throw something really drastic in your path. And now let's see who's best pivoting and navigating through this. And that's where champions are made. And I won five motorcycle championships since then. Wow. And it's so true because, you know, us as coaches, we've gone through some of the most traumatic things in our lives. Yeah. And that's what makes us so good at what we do. And I mean, you're such an inspiration, George. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks yes. for listening. Hank Wethington. Yeah, that's me. Hey, Did I do two in a row it. with? Yes. Nailed this is it. A good and day. it's, by the way, rare, rare. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that describes me rare. <laughs> so, Hank, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I can tell you right off the bat that uh, through all of my years of schooling, I had one teacher actually nail my last name. It's not hard. Wethington's kind of look at it, but only one teacher. So you nailing it right off the bat. Congratulations. You're in a small Thank group you. of people who nail it. Uh, yeah. So I'm Hank Weathington. I'm an ICF accredited leadership and executive coach based in Paso Robles, California. Grew up in Los Angeles, moved up here to go to Cal Poly Slow following my girlfriend at the time who is uh, still my wife. It's amazing. It was a long time ago uh-huh. and, and we're still together. So yes, high school sweethearts. Uh, As a coach, I have a passion for helping leaders find and develop their unique leadership voice, utilize their strengths, create a greater impact for their personal and professional lives, all the things that we as coaches like to work with people. But I do focus a lot on presence and establishing their unique leadership voice because I see so often in leaders that there's a 
want to copy or be like somebody else that they're inspired Mm -hmm. by, which is a great place to start. Don't ever say that that's not a great place. It is. Find that person that you resonate with and start to learn from them, be mentored from them, you know, take on those things. But developing your own unique leadership voice is important to me. Uh, prior to starting my company, Weathington Leadership, last year, I was I was at a large ad agency, uh, which is a little bit like Mad Men. I won't get into the the fun <laughs> there, but uh, it it is it's a good time um, for the most part. And while I where I was the head of L and D uh, over the last ten years, and I fell in love with coaching when I got into L and had a previous background in IT and tech, mainly in infrastructure, some project management, technical project management. But as I moved into L&D and helped create the original L&D function within one of the brands, I fell in love with coaching. I got to meet coaches, got to understand the way that they were working with our leaders. And I just started asking a lot of questions, had a friend who took a coaching course uh, and I was one of his clients, learned a lot about it and said, I need to do this. And at that point, that's, uh, that was my, my first start. So I started coaching a little over six years ago, uh, in my spare time right now, outside of coaching, I'm, I do theater and voice acting. I'm a writer. At least I have some fun with that. Just celebrated three years since I wrote a web show uh, three years ago yesterday. Uh, I'd kill for a date. Don't worry about that. It's, <laughs> it's fun. I learned a ton. I won't get into too much about it. I'm a beer brewer, a husband to my high school sweetheart, dad to two adult kids, and my pup, who's uh, 16 years old. So I understand why the dog takes first place. But uh, at least in our house, it's second. So, <laughs> and I guess the wife and is number one. <laughs> the wife is number one. Yes. You know, it's funny. Thanks, Hank, for for that background as well. You know, when I was driving over here today to the studio, one of the things I thought about that stuck out is, you know, all three of us combined, we have like eighty plus years experience in corporate America. Yeah, Ooh. that makes us I mean, sound very, very uh, old. <laughs> yeah, old. that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> But in a good way, I mean, having all three of us from very different backgrounds, we were all from, you know, within corporate America, I spent, you know, close to 40 years leaving Mm -hmm. it last year. And I love that all three of us have a different aspect with coaching, but we're all still, you know, we're all unique, but we're all still really connected and one in, in the message that we want to deliver to people. And that's why I'm so proud to be able to do this podcast with both of you. You know, one of the biggest things I'm seeing lately, and I kind of want to lead off with this as we mm. kind of go into trust, is all these massive layoffs. Yeah. Yesterday, I saw two different companies. IBM still laying off people. You know, I think it was Razorfish was another company. But that was my previous company. Oh, Lord. But it's yeah, just, so that one's hit hard. Yeah. I mean, we're talking thousands of people and it's like daily now. Yeah. And what I see in these posts are the amount of fear that people are feeling. Mm-hmm. And that really, to me, I think is a good lead into trust and then building those strong relationships because if anything, you're you're not building trust with your employees when you let them go. You know, I talked about this in my August podcast last year about how employees should be investments, not costs. <laughs> but let's kind of talk about trust, you know, especially with creating trust with employees why it's so important, but also about creating the connections, which yeah. is think it's something that's missing. I know it's missing. And, you know, once you guys give your thoughts, I'm going to certainly relay. I'm very raw. I'm very open about my experiences in corporate America, especially as a female 
in a very, mm-hmm. I've worked in very male dominated industry and that's not putting men versus women, but it was an experience. So Hank, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts, like on creating trust, what you've seen your coaching leaders and what you're seeing now with, you know, all this massive layoffs, there's this scary recession looming over everything. You know, what have you seen, you know, what are you coaching with your leaders? Yeah, I see that that aspect of trust right now coming very strong from leaders. They 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 see the fear mm-hmm. in their team's uh, you know presence in the way that they interact and the work that they're doing. There's kind of a pulling back, and you know I wanted to share that in, in 2021, Gallup did uh, their their last survey on trust in organizations, and it showed that trust was dramatically down. And that was for mm-hmm. 2021. I can only imagine after the last six months of layoffs. Mm-hmm. that that trust has been further eroded. It's yeah. definitely an issue that people are trying to grapple with. But what's what I think hits even further is the leaders themselves having a lack of trust in even their leadership of mm-hmm. the, the C-suite. Yeah. So, you know, the the leaders are trying to work both sides to understand for themselves, is this the time that I need to get out? Do I need to worry about myself? Which closes them down from being able to do amazing work. They see it in their team's face. And then the C-suite is also like, I'm not sure. I think one of the things I saw in, in a recent layoff was, and I remember this from, from my time in one of the brands as well, is I remember the CEO sitting there with his leadership team and kind of like, I don't want to have this happen again. How did we get here? So, you know, the C-suite, those leaders are trusting on their leadership teams to give them the information, to do the right things of how many people to hire, what is our chance of winning this business, what are we doing to take care of the business? And then for the CEO to be sideswiped by that that hit, now mm-hmm. he's losing, tr- uh, losing trust in his team as well. So it's it's kind of all over the board. And that trust, you know, when you think of what happens when there is trust, we can talk about all the stuff that's there and missing when there isn't trust. But what you get when there is, is you get an engaged group of people who are passionate about working to their best. They want to mm-hmm. show that they're wonderful at their jobs. The outputs are strong. They're making impact to their clients. They're committed to the work. You know, that positive work environment is there. Safe supported people do amazing work when they're fearful it all collapses in. yes yeah 100 yeah. percent agree yeah and i really think it kind of and george before i get to you i want to add something really really quickly you know if they had strong relationships with individuals i don't think you would see as many negative emotional posts on linkedin yeah. like we're seeing about how bosses or even C-suite leaders never said goodbye to people or thanked them for the work that they did. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got people who, this is a major shock to them. Their lives have been upended. You know, look at Google laid off 7% of their, you know, people who were here on visas had like 60 days to go find another job. Yeah. You talk about trust. They trusted in a company to bring them over here and then they were let down because they Mm -hmm. were let go. You know, it's really about those relationships and building the strong relationships. And I really think one aspect is I don't think a lot of leaders listen to their employees. So I really wanted to kind of hone in on listening because, you know, I know from my experience, C-suite and above, 
I never even saw the CEO of my company in three Oof. years in the last job Oof. I was in. Wow. Not once. Never yeah, made a you, presence, never walked the halls, yeah. never saw them. You bring up yeah. listening and it is a communication thing. You know, trust is built right. on things like communication and that is in both directions. I think a lot of times right. leaders can get confused that, hey, I'm communicating. I'm communicating down, but they're yeah. not taking in the communication the other way. And it has to be transparent. It has to be honest. Like the previous reference of of a, the executive team that's sitting there and, and they're not telling the CEO what everything is happening. They're protecting their jobs. Exactly. So there is a lack of communication. There's a lack of trust. There's no transparency and honesty. You know, the empathy that goes with that to say, oh my gosh, what do we need to do to protect these uh, H-1B visa holders so that their next 60 days isn't their life upside down? Mm-hmm. You know, what what kind of empathy is there for that? The accountability, uh, even with the CEO to look at his executive team, what accountability is there? What accountability is is with yourself of how you're handling that? Because um, Stephen Covey's speed of trust, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beginning part is character. The other part is competency. If you look at the top and the bottom of the tree, the top is competency. And that comes down to accountability. Mm-hmm. Are you being accountable to what you said you were going to do? Are you doing what you said you're going to do? Are you capable? So that that's huge as we look at how to develop trust and be in there. I want to present a great George. What would you like to add? Well, you know, uh, you mentioned a, a key word, Hank, is empathy. It's mm. uh, you look at yes. the landscape today, and and uh, you can't escape what's going on. The biggest corporations on the planet Earth, Amazon and Walmart, are all have huge cutbacks. And who would have mm-hmm. ever thought these brands, mm-hmm. the biggest on the planet, would have these cutbacks? But yet they're having them right now. And so for any leader to not recognize the anxiety within their team is just yeah. they're they're turning a blind eye to. They choose not to. But having the empathy is absolutely vital uh, in the sense that it shows that you're a person, you're human. You know, and first and foremost, we all have hearts and souls and and we're real people. We work for a living for a reason. If I was rich, I wouldn't work. And I wouldn't have to go through these trials and tribulations, but because I'm not rich, I have to work. And so because of that, I have to recognize the reason why this team, these individuals wanted to join the company in the first place. So it's uh, humbling ourselves to our team is absolutely vital. I don't have all the answers. And frankly, I don't want all the answers. The team may have answers I could have never thought of. And just humbling ourselves to what they bring to the table and giving them a voice, as was mentioned in feedback and such and flowing up, is vital in developing that trust. The uh, From what I train in my pillars and in, in my business of on-track retail coaching, communication is the first component. And it's not just communication, but unique communication. You know, quite often I spoke to leaders and and they'll tell me, oh, yeah, I communicate well with my team. I work with this this person for five years. Well, that's nice. Have you made it formal? Did you formalize what this communication looks like? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, we don't. We're talking about it's like, that's not good enough. It just isn't good enough. It has to be formalized. And uh, when mm-hmm. we discover what the unique communication process and method style of that individual when I need to coach them, will the coaching absolutely stick the first time because we're talking the same language? And quite often because I ask someone to do something and it's done with reasonable success, we assume we communicate well. 
Well, what happens with all the other times where you communicated something, it wasn't done right, then what? What's the answer then? You can't make up a different excuse because you didn't get the results you wanted. Perhaps it's the fundamental communication method itself. No, 100% agree. You know, both of you, I wrote the word down in big, bold letters, empathy, that I want to touch on that. So I love that both of you touched on that before I even said anything. But it's so true because I think what's going on now is we have more apathy than empathy. And apathy goes with, I mean, I just mentioned about the CEO, you know, we as the, you know, lower end managers, you know, we, even though I was, I was, you know, vice president level, we're with the worker bees, the ones that are in the trenches every single day, we're the front line for helping guide them. And even when C-suite or other leaders don't make themselves accessible, don't make themselves visible, you know, leaders like us, you know, we struggle because if you're not paying attention to all your employees, a lot of these leaders are not getting, you're right, the right communication and the right, you know, they're not role models. A lot of them are not being role models, especially in times like this, when you hear so many people talk more about the apathy than the empathy they received from a company. So let's go into the second area. So I think it's a good lead in about growth mindset. It's something that's huge because, you know, we have the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. But one of the things that I noticed is the leaders like in the companies I've worked for, and I was mostly in finance and and more like market data, is great leaders never stop learning. You Mm -hmm. can never stop learning and never stop growing. And that is something you should be instilling in your employees and the managers that you lead. So I kind of want to talk about that, what you've both seen. You know, George, I know you work more with the smaller brick and mortar and yep. I know, Hank, you've dealt more with like the C-suite and the senior leader type side. So I yep. love different aspects with this. But, you know, the leaders that you're working with, what have you seen about them being willing to learn and grow every single day and helping their employees do the same? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say is that growth mindset, fixed mindset, you know, it's we want to talk about it being one or the other. And what I have found is that we all have moments, even if you're a very growth mindset person, we have moments where we're in fixed mindset and, you know, there are even people who have a very set fixed mindset. There are areas where they do have a growth mindset. I've watched somebody who's very fixed mindset, learn to play guitar and then play in a band and and watch that. And it's like, Oh, well, why is this different? So it's not Mm -hmm. an either, or Um, I love Carol Dweck's book on the growth mindset. I think in that way, but when we, you know, when we look at leaders who grow, uh, I, I do a lot of reading myself and I see that it's kind of something I posted about last year is that I've never met a CEO that doesn't read. Now that doesn't mean that you want to be a CEO. That, that's not the epitome of, of your career of where you want to go. You can be very happy and, you know, doing great work wherever you're at, but using an example like that, where I've never, ever met a CEO that doesn't read. And when I say read, you can be into audiobooks. You can read physical books. You can read Kindle. I'm not going to judge whichever way you go. But I, reading is always that thing. They're learning. They're constantly pushing themselves forward. There's a curiosity through that. You know, through reading, I think it's, I don't remember the exact stat, but next to travel is that one thing that expands your mind, expands your horizons to the things that you didn't know. You know, there's that, that concept of the things that you know that you know, the things you know that you don't know. Then there's the things that you don't know you don't know. And so having, having those experiences, whether in travel or reading 
or other areas, that expands what you don't know and what you mm-hmm. can learn about. So having curiosity will will allow oh, you yeah. to have that growth mindset. So I see that a lot in leaders at all levels, but that C-suite, you see it a ton. And I think that's something that holds people back sometimes from making that leap. Maybe they've been a manager or a director and they're having trouble getting to that next step. And that's because they've been so focused on the work. They're the fantastic individual contributor, but they're not able to take that next leap because everything's based on what they know. No. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Agree. George? Well, uh, in my space, uh, it's kind of fun. And I've always taken this as probably one of my favorite pieces, the growth mindset, is um, to pose situations, issues, problems to the team members and let them run with it. Even if I, I had a possible solution in my mind, I want to see how does their head spin? And will I discover potential new leaders for the future by posing something to them? Let them think out a process. If we had a in a, a retail space, for example, if we had a case where, and I, I like to ask questions, that uh, team members would say, well, boy, George, we don't have enough customers coming through the door. Well, what, what do you think we can do? And just by asking a question, giving them a voice made them feel important, that their voice truly mattered. And by hearing their voice gave them a confidence to step up and puff their chest out and pull their shoulders back and and really get into it. And uh, typically, I'll, I'll spend four days with the team and, and the sales leaders of, the, of a retail environment. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch this expand just in my short time being there, asking for their input constantly and uh, just discovering how engaged they truly are in the business. I've been in locations where they've told me, oh, everything's perfect. Okay, they're disengaged because it's not perfect. If it was perfect, uh, you have a flood of customers, you can make a sales plan every day and so on. But they don't recognize this. So in their mind, there's, but all these words are, they're telling the leaders and myself, these are all coachable moments. Mm-hmm. And all these moments, mm-hmm. I'm going to tuck in the back of my mind and use their own words to coach them. And hopefully uh, uh, they're going to step back from this and have a vision of, okay, I need to be part of this solution. It's not perfect. I thought it was right. because I wasn't really engaged. But then always going back to the fact that and I love asking this, why did, and there's three questions I ask every team member. And the first one is, why did you join the company? Fundamentally, there had to be some, some impetus of them, the, that spark to want them to join this company in the first place. I want them to verbalize that. I, years ago, I was visiting with a team in Texas and we were having a meeting after the store one day and and all during the day, the team was telling me how, oh, yeah, the assistant manager, he's this and he's that. And he's not really good for the business and so on. And I at first, when I met him, when he came in for the media, I asked, hey, so what, why did you join the company? The first thing he says was employee discounts. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> my bad. You know, it was my bad. Must have been you know, a good I, discount. I actually said this to him. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't clear. I didn't ask the question correctly. So if I were to ask, you had a choice of where you wanted to work and you chose to work here, what would that number one piece be? And he comes back again. Yeah, it's still employee <laughs> discounts. It's like, okay. And, and I'm trying to be as kind as I can. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm new to Texas and I haven't been here very long. I'm just using my words clearly. And I asked again, phrase, rephrasing, framing the question. And the same answer came up. And I looked over at the manager and I'm thinking, are you guys gagging me right now? Are you being punking me right now? Because <laughs> the this cameras? answer that this is, I'm getting, it wasn't quite right. But it was telling that uh, it was about him and it was about the team and so on. But the growth mindset is always making it about others and letting them explore their, yes. their uh, yeah. what they bring to the table. You know, I did want to connect back to something, though, because I think if we look at the first question, if we look at the first topic of trust, mm-hmm. without yeah. trust, you close off that ability to experiment, to yeah, collaborate, yes. as George was talking yep. about, having that growth mindset, being curious, you know, allowing for failures. If there's no trust, yep. that all closes off. You know, to quote the wise Yoda, uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. You know, that that fear will dominate all of the ways that we try to work. So whether you're talking growth mindset or any other aspect where you're trying to help people grow, that fear locks it all down. Oh, 100% agree. You know, it's very, I think it's easier for an owner slash CEO of a small business to be more Mm. engaged with their employees rather than a large organization where you have thousands of employees. Because I know, you know, going through my career, you know, in large organizations, it was called the ivory tower, you know, Mm. and it was the ivory tower because they were... You couldn't touch them. You couldn't talk to them. They were locked away and you couldn't make eye contact. Um, About 10 years ago, when I first started, I had a manager, I'm not kidding you. Manager said to me, whatever you do, don't lock eyes with, name the top three people in the company. So the very next day, I happened to be in the elevator with all three of them. So Was what do the leader I do? Jack Nicholson hey! or something? Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jack. So I was like, hey, how you doing? They were the as most personable as possible. And I said to them, you know, I was told not to make eye contact with you. And they were like, what? Right. But this is the perception that was given that they were off limits. Right. And guess what? Can you imagine that that ran rampant through the organization? Because a lot of people were told that. So the biggest thing for me with this difference with large organizations versus small organizations is it doesn't matter how big or how small you are. You still need to know your employees. You Absolutely. still need to make yourself accessible. Yeah. And Hank, this for you, you know, working more with C-suite, what would it take for more of these CEOs, CFOs, you know, the higher level CIOs to be more vulnerable and be more open to employees and saying, hey, I like to read, like you were yeah. using that example, make themselves more of a human being than a human doing. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a brilliant really question. Important. Yeah, it's a brilliant question. Thank I watch leaders who do this well. Hey, buddy. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I watch leaders who do this well, and I've seen leaders who who don't do it well. You talk about the ivory tower and locking themselves behind the door and and being unavailable. And you know, the C suite has a huge job to run the business oh, yeah. to be looking three, four, five years down the road to make strategic decisions to be working with the board and the shareholders and and all these that. It is a very difficult job. We look at it and they're like making a lot of money, but oh my gosh, what a difficult job. These people rarely sleep. I've never read a CEO that's like, oh yeah, I work my 40 and I get out and I do this. Like, no, no, no. Even when you think they're having fun, it's still work because they're normally with a client or another business. It's always there. But 
getting out from behind the desk, traveling. I know it adds to budget, especially right now where people are looking at financials. Um, I've watched, you know, my previous CEO, I'm going to call him out here, uh, Josh Campo. He got to all of the offices. He made it a point to make sure that he showed up at every office, even during COVID, even during lockdowns. He showed up in offices. He brought teams together. He was there with, with no script. He didn't have a a 15-page PowerPoint deck or 50-page PowerPoint deck trying to get through all of that in an hour and leaving no room for questions. No, half of the meeting was was open communication, any questions, even anonymous. Of course, he preferred it not to be anonymous, but it was always there. That that open door, I don't want to call it truly open door because you couldn't just pick up the phone and and call him in the middle of the day. He's probably busy. But he was available to all questions that that open transparent communication he tried to make sure there wasn't a fear in asking the hard question and that put you know into a position people feeling comfortable saying i need to know more i need to know what our purpose is i need to know what our values are and you know we came up with these values are they just words on a wall or are you living them so there was it was a back and forth of being outside, being with people and knowing people's names. And, uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. the layoffs for Razorfish recently. And I know that for the people that I've talked to, no one's happy being laid off. Right. But I don't see the, you know, F this place. Yeah. In the process. Great. It's, you know, I think my time here and what I learned, who I've been, uh, the way that it's been led. These types of things. I'm not saying everybody's uh, thrilled. There's a lot of hurt feelings, of course. Right. But it's been an interesting change from the people who do keep themselves behind a desk, keep themselves away, you know, locked away in that ivory tower with a dragon between them normally, you know. (laughs) And a moat. (laughs) Uh, And a moat. And yeah, a couple of walls. And it's really difficult to see them. I'll never forget a call. We were on a a large call. There was a CEO going to some of the offices and I said, hey, you know, are you going to come to this office? He goes, why would I go there? You don't have clients. And it's like, well, because you have 200 people here. Yeah. That's why you come here. We may not have clients in this location, but you have people. So that is a very big difference in the way that that leaders approach that that aspect. Oh, I 100% agree. But, you know, we start off with trust, yeah. which I think is a great lead into this because let's face it, work, people go to work. That is the majority of their week. Yes. And I brought something to a client's attention and she gave me permission to use this, of course, not her name, but the, the situation. And she was like, she had just been laid off. And she's like, well, I was miserable in the job anyway. I didn't have support. I didn't have a willingness to grow. They didn't allow me to grow and they didn't offer anything to help me grow. So I felt very unfulfilled anyway. And I said, so what you're telling me is for five days of the week, you were unhappy and you were only happy two days of the week because you weren't at work. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I never looked at it that way. And this is a message for leaders that are listening today. You ha- and they're suffering in silence and they're not speaking up until they're let go. They work their butts off for a job that they go to eight to 10 hours a day, 40 or to more. maybe 60 hours a week. Yeah. The majority of their life is spent at work. So companies need to invest in helping them grow, giving them opportunities to grow and yep. allowing them to feel like what they're doing is making a difference. And that was something that stuck with me. There were not a lot of opportunities for a lot of the companies like to have coaching available, mm-hmm. which is, I think, I mean, we had the ombuds um, in the different organizations. I don't know if ombuds are 
you know, like a like anonymous voice you can go to. Okay. But it's usually for more like whistleblower more than oh, yeah. yeah. it was yeah. to really talk about like, I'm really struggling in life because they don't trust the companies enough to be that open and vulnerable about what they're struggling with. Yeah. But they still come to a job every single day. And I'm hearing I got laid off. I don't feel appreciated. And this yeah. is, you know, unfortunately this is reality. This is what's happening right now. This is how people are feeling and that's where I come in and help them discover more about, let's talk about your feelings, talk about your thoughts. The two number one, uh, two number ones, the two things at the top, <laughs> one and two, <laughs> trust. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I could grow in mm-hmm. my job. Yeah. From being in learning and development and into coaching, you know, that aspect of learning and growing, I've watched, mm-hmm. I'm working with a company right now that is investing in their leaders through coaching and you know, Good. my time as uh, being in L and D saw the same thing. Like we hired coaches for our our VPs and above, our directors and above. It needs to go further down, uh, in oh, my yeah. opinion. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I do like the fact that many companies are offering like an EAP. You talk about being able to yep. share, you know, so that it's not truly therapy. There is a somebody who will work with you through a particular problem, but being able to share. But it is that concept of what are we investing in our people to give them the opportunity to learn and grow? And coaching is one of those things. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, as I negotiate with a company, one of the things that I have to be very, very clear on is the confidentiality. Right. You know, we're, yes, yeah. the company is investing in this person or in these people. And that aspect, they are paying for this and they want to see certain things. And we, we work out objectives and we're talking about how, they're, how we're going to approach it and all of that. And there are some updates, but everything in, in the session is confidential. Right. And so we can talk about, oh, they're trying to grow here and they're going to make this next leap and they're taking on these new things. And that's what our objective is. And we're going to help them through this. And if they come into the session, they're like, I want out. I need, I need to do something else. Like that is confidential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only had that happen once, but uh, you know that aspect of somebody just coming in totally different from the objectives. But I've I've worked with different leaders who are trying to write a book, who are trying to do something new in their lives, take on a new challenge outside of work, which is all part of being a whole person. But when it comes to that aspect of you talk about trust and what we're doing here, mm-hmm. the growth. I always see that growth is available in all areas of our lives. It's not just, can yeah. you grow as, as an employee? If you're right. growing outside of there, I, you know, I mentioned I'm a beer brewer, learning to brew that fermentation of the science of fermentation, all of that process taught me a lot in my own leadership. It doesn't sound yeah. like it, it connects, but all of a sudden you're making some different connections because you understand something new in a unique way. So anytime someone's growing and learning, I feel that it's helping them in life. Uh, in general, right. because we are whole people, even if we spend most of our waking hours at work. Right. Yeah. No, agree. A hundred percent. I mean, it's a full-time job to learn and grow, Yes, but it's, yes. it's vital Indeed. and it's necessary. You know, George, did you want to add anything? Yeah, you're right. The, the whole idea of being a life uh, long learner is mm-hmm. uh, it's important. And there's so much, I mean, from my perspective that I mentioned earlier as a, a cancer survivor, if you would, life's precious. And yeah. you just never know what's going to, what turn is next and how things are going to play out. And it's a, it's a grand process that we're experiencing here as we share this little crust on this planet that's floating around in space. Yeah. And boy, I want to just learn as much as I can and unpack my life right now, right in this moment, right now, as we are truly right yep. now. Thank you. 
you know, yes. in the moment, the present moment is all that matters. Yesterday's gone. You can't change yes. it. And tomorrow's undetermined. And yes. what we're doing right now today is creating our future. We're creating yeah. our reality today. Yes. And that's such an important point. So thank you for saying that, George. Um, yes. You know, we could go for hours, I think. Between the three of us, Let's go. we could go days. for hours. Days. <laughs> well, okay, days. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, there's so much. I mean, we have an hour. We're trying to jam pack three important, yeah. you know, areas. Mm-hmm. And let's kind of go into this third, which is the leadership engagement, which we've kind yes. of been touching upon. Mm-hmm. But building value. That is huge for me because knowing your value is the theme of my podcasts, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be more of a connection between yeah. leadership and employee engagement. And I think that's huge. Yeah. How leaders, they need to build value. Again, I kind of touched upon this and you guys have also emphasized, you know, we're, we're at our job so many hours a day, build value, let people know that they're appreciated, let them know that their efforts mean something. And I don't, you know, I tell people all the time, don't go thinking you just have to go because you need a job. Correct. You should be fulfilling your purpose in life, finding out what your purpose is, and then working to fulfill that purpose and also making a difference. Because if you go to job with the attitude of, oh, it's just a job, then, you know, what does that say about you as a person? And and why should leadership invest in you if you're not investing in yourself? So that's another important point. But we talked about coaching, which is huge. There's a lot of coaching for C-suite and senior leaders but there's not a lot of coaching available for the workers yeah. or for the, you know, the lower line managers, which need coaching just as much as a C-suite. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to touch upon that kind of was from the last section about growth is I see this all the time when an employee grows and has flourished in their job, either they get promoted or maybe they move to another company, celebrate that. Don't yeah. hold them yep. back. Don't say, yeah. oh God, you're leaving. You know, you're, you know, yeah. I need you. You've got to stay here. Celebrate the fact that people are growing and they're excelling in life. And I think that's something that we also need to talk about is it's not a reflection on the company. It's reflection on that's the person who's growing in life, who's making a difference, who's serving. Yeah. George, we'll start with you. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I love this, the, the engagement piece. It's actually, again, one of my pillars in oh. uh, in my process. And uh, I've always been a firm believer. We have to know who our people are first as people yeah. before yeah. we can know them as an employee. Yeah. If I don't know who they are as, or the leader doesn't know who they are as a people first, I may ask them or the leader may ask them to do things that I'm not convinced they can even pull off. And what right. leader would I do that? What leader would ask someone to do this if I've never seen them do it before? And that's uh, that would just be plain poor leadership. Mm-hmm. So going back to what I uh, alluded to previously, there's three questions I would ask every uh, client I would come across, the leader, the team members that they lead, and so on. One is I ask, why did you join the company? It's going to be very telling what they tell me. Uh, and I'm going to use this to coach them down the road. Two, what do they like best about working for this company? Mm-hmm. And again, it's engaging. They're going to tell me something. It's a story. I want to know what that story is. Everyone has it. And if they don't know how to share that story, I'm going to pull it out of them in an in a authentic, genuine manner. And then thirdly, and the, this really pops their chest out, if you own the company, 
what would you do differently and why? Ooh, and this gives me, question. again, an idea of their thoughts on the business and the engagement level and potentially mm-hmm. future leadership. How do they think? How does your head spin? And how can this be utilized down the road to drive revenue, the customer experience, and so on? Um, too often that um, in leadership, the leaders believe that coaching needs to be the bulk of their words of their day. And I find that, um, and leaders have discovered as well, 60% of your words should be encouraging and positive at all moments. Even your worst performer, there's something mm-hmm. good they do each day. There is something good. We need to touch that. Let that team member touch that as well. And let that nurture and flourish that a bit. So then when you do need to coach them, you're going to have their full year. So uh, the 60% encouragement in all moments is, is vital. But um, again, going back to asking the unique questions, hey, what's your perfect job? What would you like to do in the future? What do you want to be when you mm-hmm. grow up? What are your mm-hmm. hobbies? What are you good at? In this particular job here, is there something you like? What don't you like? And just find what this stuff is. And too often I, I visited with uh, teams all around the country and discovered things within the team that the manager didn't never discovered with working with them for 10 years. It's like, how was I discovered this within three minutes? And then, mm-hmm. then when I brought this Good to point. the sales leader, they thought I was making this stuff up. And then when he confronted the team member, it was confirmed and the manager started realizing, oh my word, I have so much to discover with my own team and mm-hmm. I work with them every single day. How could this beat right under my nose? And I never knew this, that they were good at social media. How did I never discover that to leverage that to enhance the team's business? So yeah, I, the, the engagement piece, leadership engagement, this floats my boat big time. <laughs> <laughs> Hank. <laughs> yeah, you know, I Flint's talk about it, I leadership it. engagement here, and there's a lot of questions being asked. And, you know, we talk about leaders being coaches, right? Coaching mm-hmm. is a question modality. Yeah. And, and so I love leaning on uh, John Whitmore's grow model, something I often leave leaders with, uh, even after the first call is just understanding that that grow model of what's the goal? What are the realities we're dealing with? What are the options? What are the ways forward? And the reason that you do this is to what George said is you're you're giving them ownership. In each person that you're working with, what mm-hmm. so often happens when it comes to engagement is we think, oh, we need to take, we need to make sure the deliverables are great, that we're hitting yeah. the ball out of we're doing this stuff. And really, engagement means that there's connection. Yeah. Right. That the trust and the connection is there. And the way that you create connection is giving people opportunities to grow. And you don't give them opportunities to grow if you're taking on an ownership of the task. You know, we've all heard that that micromanaging boss or the person who takes credit for everything that you do or the team does. And really what the grow model sets up is a way that you're giving ownership back to the person. It's their goal. They own it. They own the way forward. You know, um, I love the metaphor of if you had a rental car. Do you change the oil in it? Do you get it washed? Mm. No. Why? Because you don't own it. So if you own the goal as the leader and your team doesn't own that goal, who's going to take care of it? That means you're taking care of it. It doesn't mean they won't put gas in it and keep it running. They're going to do the minimum required. But when you give ownership out, that engagement is there. So I I thought of that. Um, You know, what also hit me as George was talking is this aspect of, of what the expectation, I think, you know, Chris, you brought this up of, 
people working and where they're going to? What's the next place? Is it something yeah. that they're going to get a promotion internal or they're going out? And it hit me about, uh, you know, the quote from Ted Lasso about mentors. A good mentor hopes you'll move on. A great mentor knows you will. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful Brilliant. quote. Good old Ted. We don't hold on to shooting stars. We, we give them room to grow and yeah. we let the shooting yeah. star move on. Yeah. You know, you build great teams, but those shooting stars, they come along very rarely. So that aspect of engagement is not trying to hold on or hold down people, yep. giving them opportunities to grow, develop, flourish. And it's really goes back to what we first started talking about is trust is have you built the communication and trust to allow all these other things? It's so true. You know, um, I want to kind of touch upon what this building value coaching, which yeah. is really, really important because you know, employees that are working like in accounting or, you know, customer service or marketing or sales are different than C-suite who are running the company and, you know, making sure the lights are on and bills get paid and they're making money. There's different levels, but I think for leaders listening today, understand that coaching is really about development discovery. Mm -hmm. Those are two really important words because everybody has an area that they can develop more. And maybe a leader may not know how to bring that out, but a coach does. A coach works with the leaders to help that development discovery and to bring out the best version of people and to maximize their potential. Yes. What do you think, Hank? Yeah, the you said something that 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 popped into my head here, and that is yes, the goals are different for the C-suite mm -hmm. than the VP level than the director level and the people, you know, doing the accounting or on the sales floor, or like the goals are different, but at the end of the day, people are people, right? We have our passions. We have our own values. Um, I find so often as I start working with people, like they can't communicate their values. And a lot of times the frustrations yeah. that they're experiencing in their work and their life are because they're, there's something rubbing up against that value. And so that's one of the very first things we do is unpack the values that mm. the person has. And it doesn't yes. matter at what level of the organization, everybody is struggling with that. So while the goals are different, people are people and we're whole, we're capable of so much. And it's really, you know, are you leaning into the, what you are purposeful and passionate about? You can be going, I, I love the term, uh, I wrote a long article on this, the quiet quitting term that was really big before all the layoffs. Uh, <laughs> it's still out there. You know, it's just you're doing what you're paid to do. It's not you're quitting. No one's quitting. They're just doing what they're paid to do. And that's okay. As a team lead, I've watched people like, yes, half my team is just doing what their job is. And they're they're good at it. Are they great at it? Are they going to get promoted? No. Uh, but they're doing their job. And what I found is, is that oftentimes those same people are passionate about something outside of work. Yeah. Passionate. Maybe it's family, but maybe they're growing in a different way and it's going to set them up for a different future for themselves. Right. So, you know, coaching, whether it is uh, at the C-suite, at, at middle management, at any level of the organization is really helping people understand what they want to do in their lives and to go after it. You know, the, mm -hmm. going back to that term, quiet quitting, it's not about are you doing, you know, your job. It's more of you can't mail it in and do the bare minimums and then be CEO. Right. So there's a disconnect Great. there. If you think that's the possibility, that's the disconnect. But yeah, and, and I see during these layoffs, there's something I wanted to touch on. And that is, you know, the, the last in, first out stuff. We've spent the last few years really focusing on DE&I, bringing in, 
you know, people from all walks of life, exposing, you know, bringing new employees in, and then layoffs are dramatically hitting that spot. And so as I've worked with some leaders, it's like, hey, you've had this goal. What are you doing right now to pull back on that as you are having to look at layoffs and look at the people that that are going to be impacted at this? You know, when your comment of the H-1B visa holders, that empathy of yeah. what's there. But what are you trying to do now? Because what you set up at this moment in time, and we saw this during the recession in 2008, we've seen this before, those companies that invest in their people, create strong engagement, build trust and value, they're going to accelerate out of this time versus sitting there at the starting block when everything is finally open and now yeah. they're trying to figure out like how to bring everything back together. Accelerate out of this moment is what I'm trying to work with leaders on and I see it uh, in, in those leaders who are taking the chance. Yeah, there's something else I want to add that I think is interesting and, I, and I've experienced this in the last two corporate jobs I had is dealing with different generations. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a big difference when I was growing up you know, I remember, you know, I'm from, from Maryland. Yeah. Shout out Maryland. Westinghouse was a humongous company. Bethlehem Steel were just massive companies. And there was emphasis. You go and work for a company, you stay there forever. You do loyalty, retire, you know, you do your best. That that was that mentality and then has diminished with these different generations. And I'm finding now that, you know, some of the younger ones don't have that philosophy about loyalty. They don't have that philosophy about why would putting they? the effort in. Yeah, why would they? Exactly. Yeah, right. So there's different generations. And, you know, as leaders, you're dealing with people from different, you can't treat everybody the same. Everybody is so different. And I think that's another thing that I, that I kind of want to touch upon is about building a value is realizing you can't lump everybody in one category. You've got unique, different personalities and everybody brings something different to the table and recognize that. George, did you want to add something? Yeah, the uniqueness, as you uh, mentioned, is uh, that's part of the fun of, of going through life and having teams yeah. that offer something that's unique. It's uh, And that's part of the discovery process of a leader is discovering what is it that they actually bring to the table and, mm -hmm. uh, and let them run with it and explore yeah. it themselves. Let them touch that themselves inside and, and give them the space. And as Hank mentioned earlier, it's okay to fail, but you got to try first. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. mentioned countless times the first sign of success is failure. You're going to fail the first time out. However, if you step back and learn from learn. that, what did that look like and how can I improve it? Now we're, we're making traction. We're getting someplace mm -hmm. positive. But, um, yeah, that, the idea of, um, letting team members explore themselves and what's yeah. within them is kind of fun. You'll, you'll discover things that some leaders might not have ever discovered because too often it's about the leader and not about right. the team. Sadly. Agree. 100% agree. Hank, did you want to add something before we wrap up? No, you know, just connecting on these pieces and, you know, that failure piece, delivery going back to the first part of just fear, trust, mm -hmm. what we're doing there, mm -hmm. allowing people to explore, you know, that all requires that relationship. Um, yeah. We talked, you know, you just yeah. mentioned how you said, uh, why would they stay? You know, why would they be loyal? You know, loyalty mm -hmm. is built on trust. Trust. It's, exactly. Right? It leads it's, right back to the very beginning. It all goes back to that word. So we as leaders, we at every organization, if you're looking to move up, if you're not building trust, why aren't you building trust? You know, work yeah. with work with a mentor, 
work with a coach, I think, you know, one of the things I've, I've often said is no one cares about your career the way that you do. So yeah. if you want more from your career, you're going to invest in it. And I saw that in, in so many leaders who, you know, they paid for their own conferences. They paid for coaches. They went into things because when the company wouldn't. It didn't mean that they didn't go ask. I always encourage a leader, go ask your L&D or your HR lead if, you, if this can be covered. But they were willing to invest when it came down to it. Because if the company is not investing in you in that way, you should invest in yourself. Invest yourself, exactly. You should go yeah. and do that. It doesn't mean that you're going to be here in 15 years, but you're going to be somewhere. So invest in your growth so that way you're ready for that opportunity. 100% agree. And I can't believe we've come up on the hour. Seriously. Let's keep just, going. This, I, You know yeah, what? Right? I wish we could. <laughs> but you know what I was just thinking here? We need to do a part two. Sounds we great. We need to do a part I'm two. I'm down. Definitely. I think this conversation was amazing and it flowed so well. So I thank both of you. Thank you, George. And thank you, Hank. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. For a May podcast, I'm going to have two co-hosts. They're going to join me and we're going to discuss, the episode is going to be understanding purpose, value, and opportunity in your career. Ding! How about a lead in for that? Love it. So we're going to, it's with a actual relationship recruiter and another coach who works with, um, she's a career coach. We're going to talk about understanding your purpose, building better skills, knowing your value, which obviously is mm. the theme, and then really being open to new opportunities. So I want to thank everybody for listening today. And I want you to encourage others to listen. This is an amazing Absolutely. podcast. I can't wait till we do part two. So we'll have to talk about this. So sending much light and love to everybody. Coach Chris signing off. <laughs>